Hello and welcome to another edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. Today we're continuing our journey through the increasingly disturbing world of Moton Fay, and we're going to be talking about Man Behind the Sun from 1988, a film he made in mainland China. So Jose, what did you think? I didn't realise that it was as late as 1988, I think that's 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 right. very interesting. I found it very hard to watch. So so let me give you my trajectory. I mean, when the film began, you know, and it begins with these young boys, you know, in the snow, right? And they meet another young boy who's like a homeless and, you know, they're by the banks of the river and they offer him rice and, you know, the guy gets upset that he throws the rice in their face and then they beat him up. <laughs> yeah, and force him to eat the rice, but then he chews the rice out and he goes off on his own. And there are shots of the snow, of the banks, of the landscape, you know, that are so beautiful. And you think, oh my God, you know, Motun Fei is back. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, it's, it's basically, the film is a kind of a, it tries to be history, yeah? It tries to give you an account of this horrible incident that happened uh, uh, in China with the uh, invading uh, Chinese army where they dehumanized... Japanese army. Invading Japanese, yeah. yeah. Where they dehumanized the local Chinese population and called them Murat instead of people uh, as a way of uh, treating them like lab rats doing all of these horrible experiments on them uh, as research for biological warfare. Yeah. Uh, So, and what you see is incident after incident after incident after incident of, you know, and one is more gruesome, you know, than the other. And I found them really gruesome. Actually, the one that I found the most gruesome because it was the one that felt real, that it wasn't just actors using prosthetics or whatever was uh, there's there's a scene where they have all of these feral rats and there's zillions of them, right? And they throw this cat onto the cage and basically the rats eat the cat alive. That really did cross the line because it felt that looked to me to be unsimulated animal cruelty. I mean, I, I, I can't... I've seen one interview with him where, he's, where he claims that they just... We just covered the cat with... Honey and the rats were the. No, that's that's not what was going. On. I I don't I don't believe that. I mean, that. you see it. Um, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. see I, this I, half-eaten I... cat still opening their eyes and gesturing. You know, this was like pre-CGI. It's clearly happening. And it goes on for really quite a long time. So this this film has has been certified by the BBFC, and, and the cuts were for animal cruelty. So uh, it was that 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 scene is the one that was seen as as, as most problematic. I found two references he made to it. Well, one claiming it wasn't that th- there was no cruelty involved, which you don't believe. The the other where he just kind of clams up and it's like, why has everyone gone about the cat? I don't want to talk about it. Um, so I, I I don't know. So what did you think of it? Um, I mean, yes, it's really 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 difficult to watch. Um, but I did watch it, and we both watched it. I mean, I I, I guess what I would say. So I mean, I was, I was aware of the film and I was aware of what the film was about. Um, I think like Lost Souls, it's a film that my um, view of it before I saw it was, okay, this is an exploitation film, which, which, which it is, but also like Lost Souls, it is a film that's making a, trying to make a serious point. I mean, it's making it in a very graphic way, but he's essentially trying to make, present this historical set of events, which uh, now my reading up on it afterwards, you know, 
the the characters you know the the the, the japanese doctors and so on these are all historical figures yeah. who largely after the war were you know not prosecuted and went on to carry on working in japan or in some cases go and help the the united states develop their own weapons um so the, this is all real it, it seems to be you know the the events were well documented he claims you know he he showed the film in japan and, and some you know a lot of people you know, younger people in japan were saying you know this film this, this can't possibly happen we wouldn't have done it but he met some former members of the of the youth corps who were there who said yeah they, you know this did well actually it was worse than that but you have presented the real picture of what was going on I, uh, so um uh, i i i'm not ambivalent about this one actually i was going to say i'm, a, I'm ambivalent but I, actually i don't think i am anyway let me explore the film tries to be history because actually it intercuts quite a lot of documentary footage hmm. onto yeah the, the the clearly dramatized scenes right so so there's a sense in which the film wants to teach you a history lesson but i also think that it's a ruse yeah the history lesson is there to gross you out yeah because unlike uh the previous film that we saw you know which was like a sexual exploitation film which is meant to titillate and turn you on this is meant to make you go Ugh, right and close your eyes every so often and it succeeds in doing that it's worse than any horror film I, I, yeah yeah it, it it is yeah really really unpleasant and and, and actually more so in retrospect, having read interviews with him about how, how some of this stuff was filmed. Um, oh, really? How was it filmed? So, so I, before we, we started talking, I, I had a look at... The, the, there's a, a text interview with him that I'll send you. Um, there's also the, those YouTube videos, the conversations with the TFMU. Um, and now, I don't actually believe everything he's saying. Because for, like he's Because he's clearly, we've established already, he's a very good at self-mythologizing but he so for, like for instance he claims that um six, 16 people in china died of spontaneous heart attacks just watching the film and i you know, no, I don't right. don't believe that for a second but the so for instance um you know there's a lot of body parts in the film it's filmed on a very low budget and filmed in the location where this stuff happened and he saved money by using you know local crew local people mostly non-actors um and but you know they they couldn't afford to make prosthetic body parts, so they you know the a lot of the body parts were were borrowed supposedly from from the local mortuary, for instance. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe not. I don't know. The the scene where there's the 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 kind of uh, they they dissect the, the mute boy. Yeah. Um, so the claim is that that's a mix of. So obviously the film of the of the the actor, they got they they used supposedly used footage of an actual autopsy. So they um, only briefly, but some of that supposed yeah. they they got permission from the family and well, stuff. Well, but, actually, you know, I, I think you can see that that is true. Uh, yeah, the the actual, but the, the the kind of internal stuff is a pig, but the the, the body being cut into supposedly ah, was, was right, real. Right, I don't, right, know, I don't right. know. And when you read that, it's saying really, but. You know, but I don't. But, I, but is it true? I don't know because he is self-mythologizing. Yeah. But I mean, I found it really uncomfortable, and actually, I I was thinking that it's kind of unethical to film it mm. in this style. So so let me turn the tables on you, and what would you think 
if they've made a film about Auschwitz as a horror film. This was an example that, that occurred to me because the guy, I don't know how you pronounce it, U, is it UV Bowl, UWE Bowl, um, who was a is a horror director he did he did make a film about auschwitz and he um not as a horror film but essentially using his horror film techniques because he said you know you have to show the reality of what happens um and it, it, what that is is a i haven't seen it but it's kind of intercuts um a group of german students you know documentary of a group of german students talking about the holocaust with his re recreation in very graphic detail of the gas chambers and it's yeah uh, and the, the, this this is what that felt like, and um, yeah, I, I yeah, I I ugh. I just think there's something immoral about it, really. Uh, mm. You know, and I'm not like you know, I'm quite open to everything, but this just you know, again, maybe I'm re responding to the way that I initially responded to Pasolini's Salo. You know, if you want mm. an indictment mm. of fascism, there are other ways of doing it. I mean, this is clearly salacious. It, it wants, it wants the audience to gross out, and you think, okay, we should be grossed out by these things. There is that. I, I grant you, you should be disgusted by the things that you are seeing. Uh, but you know, kind of, what is your intention behind that? I think that's important. Uh, mm, and mm. also, do you have to show incident after incident? After, yeah, like there's such a clear. Um, delight, yeah, in each gross out element, mm, mm. and 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 there's all there's also the fact that he's um so he he's he's working largely with with non professional actors with or non actors and which he he'd done in most of his films so obviously started from the early ones the neo realist stuff um and you know Lost Souls is largely non professional actors. Apart from the the, the 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 gang members are act are kind of Shaw Brothers contract players and and, and the victims are non actors, uh, and and in this one, then I think the the kind of uh, senior doctors and generals are all actors, yes. but a lot of the others are, are are just local people. And you think, well, okay, if you're like, yeah, if you're a professional actor, and you're going into that environment, you probably know what you're getting into. But if you're if you're not, maybe you don't. And what are the ethics of that kind of filmmaking? Yeah, I, I, it just leaves such a sour taste. I mean, you know, the scene of the women uh, being um, frostbitten and then being flayed alive. I mean, it was... Yeah, that was horrific, but that one didn't bother me too much because it was so obviously not real. Yeah, true. Um, but still, the key moment, the climactic moment, is clearly false, right? But, you know, this poor woman out in the snow with her arms like this... Yeah, and be, with water being poured over them. And you could mm, see what mm. the temperature was. I mean, you know, it's all done in a type of shot where you could see that the snow goes back into... Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah It's, it's yeah, clearly yeah. shot on location in this snowy field. I mean... Cause, I mean, one, one of the things about this film is the this kind of group of, of cadets who must, I don't know how old they were, I'd say 16 or so, the, the actors, um, because it's, you know, it, it's set near the end of World War II. And so the point where both Japan and Germany were kind of in, um, you know, recruiting younger and younger teenagers to, to, to bolster up numbers in the troops. And they're, they're being dehumanized or, and or sort of encouraged to treat the prisoners, not as humans, but there's a bit where they, they you know, they're being forced to, 
crawl through the snow, and then you see their red faces as they stand up. You know, well, that, they were really, you know, they were really doing yeah. that. You know, it's. Uh... I mean, I suppose what disturbs me more is um, that you could see what the director's trying to do. So, you know, on the one hand, like you know, these young cadets are kind of meant to be the audiences in onto what happens, right? So they in, are initially not aware. You know, they are they are then kind of taught to hate. Yeah, these people are not people. They are Murat. And actually, the scene where that happens is so effective, you know, and so incredibly well filmed. Yeah, and then there's a kind of a distancing from them until that final moment, you know, where the boy gives the bloodied flag of Japan, you know, uh, to that team again, which is a very effective moment again. I thought that that scene was brilliant, and that actually, in a weird way, that scene reminded me of the the death scene in um, End of the Track, because you know the scene where the the dying boy running on the track is kind of re- reaching out towards the, the 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 rich kid, and here you've got the dying prisoner reaching out to the other to the the teenage soldier, and and he reaches out, but then you realise he, he he at the last minute he reaches for the flag, and I think th- things like that, and as you say, the 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 scene where they where they're first encouraged to beat the prisoners, and and that early scene that you mentioned with the um the giving the rice ball to the kid is really incredibly effective mm-hmm. filmmaking. It is. I mean, this is what's been really fascinating. Well, while yeah, I would say we probably both pretty much hated this film, but I think it's fast it's fascinating to see how someone that made end of the track has made a film like this and you can still see that this is the same filmmaker um but to me it makes it all the more sordid really mm. because you know the fit he's someone who knows what he's doing he when he does that doing, and he can do beautiful things and he can do very effective things and he can do very moving things why the hell is he doing this right like mm. you know it just kind of boggles the mind uh, and it makes it even sadder because, you know, if someone was so talentless that all they could do was this schlock horror, fine. But when you could, when you could do other things, why choose this? So what makes this even more sordid for me is that so much of the filmmaking is, is really imaginative and beautiful, you know, and some of the cutting on the scenes. And, you know, this is, this is the work of a really highly skilled filmmaker. And so the question is, why is he doing this? For a start, why was he working suddenly in mainland China? Because that's quite an odd thing for a Taiwanese director to do. And so what what seems to have happened is he was... So he made those first two films in in Taiwan and was essentially, you know, kind of blacklisted from working, went travelling for ages, turns up in Hong Kong, makes a few films, um, signs up with the Shaw Brothers, signs a contract with the Shaw Brothers, makes a few films that he describes as junk, which I think possibly includes A Deadly Secret, I'm not sure. Um, then makes Lost Souls, which is his, his kind of fairly personal one. There was an, there's actually another one called Bankbusters, which is also about um, it's kind of a heist movie, but it's also about um, Chinese mainland immigrants coming into Hong Kong. Uh, but a lot of them have military training, so these ones are immigrants, and then they they then you know use their military training to rob banks. Um, anyway, the Shaw brothers don't like Lost Souls because of the reaction to it because it's too political, and he then gets gets agreement from them that although he's under contract he can make one film um, outside Shaw Brothers. So they, that, that's agreed. And what he does is he goes off to mainland China. This is just after the Cultural Revolution, so they've just opened up to, to the outside world a little bit. He goes to mainland China, says he wants to make a film, and they say, well, you can make a film but nothing political. So he makes this film called Young Heroes or Little Heroes, which is a, a children's um, 
kung fu film, which he says was the most popular film in China ever. That's him talking. It's probably probably quite popular. popular. (laughs) Yeah, he 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 makes his film purely because he knows this will work and this will be popular. Then he goes back to Shaw Brothers, where he's still under contract. And they say, what have you been doing? Why have you made a film in mainland China? Because like now we can't release your films in Taiwan because the Taiwanese government won't, uh, won't let you. And he's like, oh, I never thought of that because that, clearly he knew yeah. that. Um, and he's, he's like, well, if you don't want to make films with me anymore, you better sack me. <laughs> so he gets fired from his contract. Um, so then while he was making Young Heroes, that's when it was during that period that he found out the story of, 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 of this Japanese army unit and became fascinated by it. And, and the fact that, you know, the, the thing is, it was his justification for making it was that that unit was very little known. There's very little documentation about it. He said there was like one small pamphlet. He managed to get some information out of the U.S. Freedom of Information Act because his wife's American. But that, so that, that's kind of how this thing grew up. But it just feels to me that he's someone who's kind of, at this point, just drifting around, trying to find various ways of making films, making but kind of a bit like in a, in a kind of very different way, someone like Orson Welles, who just basically, yeah, but, you, you know, know no, as a result Orson of politics, and couldn't, no, com- Macbeth. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, there's no comparison, but Orson Welles did some very bizarre stuff later in life. You know, he was Transformers, the movie, etc. But, but you know, he, but he was someone who just wanted to make films and just need, just was doing whatever he could do in order to get funding. You know, he couldn't work in Taiwan, he couldn't work in Hong Kong, so he's working in China. Well, uh, I mean, I, I get I get why he wants to tell this story. Uh, I mean, I think this is a story worth telling, so that's not even an issue for me, right? The question is, why tell it this way? Yeah, you know, why tell it as a kind of a horror film whose main purpose is to induce disgust, right? And the argument that, oh, well, you should be disgusted by things like this. Yes, we should, but we should also be disgusted you know, by the way that it, uh, you know, the, your view of them is prolonged, right, to incite disgust. It's really... And and in, in, in some ways, I wasn't so much disgusted by what I was, by the actual image, apart from the bit with the cat and the rats. I wasn't disgusted so much by the actual image, but just by the thought of how, how had this been filmed and what were the physical conditions like for the, for the cast and crew. Yeah that's something that concerned me with Lost Souls and it certainly did with this one. Yeah, I think the way that it was shown, even though you knew that it was fake, you know, the camera looks longingly on this and stays with it and like, you know, it's, it's it wants you to see every little gory detail, right? It does. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, well, it, 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 it does, but what's interesting is there's, there's some things that it doesn't show. So, there's a scene with a with a baby where a woman's got a baby and the baby's snatched away from her by, by the, the soldiers and, and like thrown to the ground and left, left to die in the snow. You never see the baby at all. It's entirely wrapped in blankets. You, you just hear it. So that was interesting. Well, because interesting. you don't see that. You don't, you don't see it. I'm sure that was a, a cost cutting, you know, Maybe. exercise. Uh, they couldn't afford the doll, but, but also the bit of dialogue makes the reason why very clear. You know, that would look very good stuffed and hanging on our wall. No, mm, yeah, mm. What, what, what's that process called when they they stuff animals? Ta- taxidermy. Yeah, and, and yeah, I yeah. think they might even have used that word in the subtitle, you know. So, um, mm, I found, yeah, I didn't like it. And um, just a word on the making it in China. This is a film that is inconceivable outside of China because the spaces are so vast. 
Yeah, the mm. rivers are mm. so vast. The buildings that are used are so vast. The buildings that are exploded are so vast. The military equipment deployed, there are so many extras, right? You know, it's a film that has to be made in a large country. Which... He, yeah, and he was like, for instance, the army vehicles. He, you know, he, he, he got help from the army. You know, this was, that's how he made yeah. it, you know? So um, it's a film that could not be made in Hong Kong. It had to be made, you no. know, in, in no. mainland China. So, um, but it's a film that leaves kind of a very sour taste to me. And then I think, well, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's another way of looking at it, right? So, you know, I mean, I think you could argue that maybe it needs to be made like this in order for people to really see the horrors that, you know, the Japanese uh, uh, induced in China in this period. Uh, and also to show, because one of the things that the film is very clever at is it shows a collective responsibility. So it's not this isolated individual or that isolated individual. Yeah, mm -hmm. so on the one hand, the general who's running the operation is obviously, you know, the head honcho. But then you always have shots, the shots, which, you know, in his early films were always of an individual, right? You know, or an individual in a street or an individual in a mountain or maybe, you know, a kid with his mom and dad, but it's very sparse, you know. Here, it's collective. You often see all of the young boys together, right? Kind of, yeah, acting together. All of the Murats together, right? Often, even when you see the Japanese doing torture on a Murat, you'll, you know, it's very rare that you'll just see one Japanese person, right? It'll often be like... You know, someone holding the water, a guard at the back, the building with full of soldiers in the front. Like, there's a sense of a collective, yeah, a collective action. Yeah, yeah, but but I think what's also interesting is he does kind of manage to humanize all participants, like some of the some of each group. So you the you know like the the individual members of the of, of the cadet group and all the individual doctors and soldiers and some of the prisoners. You kind of get a view of what they're thinking and what they're doing and 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 there is and, and it, it is quite interesting that morality of you know there's, there's the one um doctor who who has has doubts and is trying to sh hide that prisoner but then at the end he gives him up and and, and also the you know, the cadet and you you're actually not quite sure how he's going to react and i think that's quite you know all of that is quite interesting and really well done and you it just is. think what yeah it shows you what a good filmmaker he was and yeah, that he, what he could have been doing yes. rather than doing this kind of thing he is i mean you know he's a very very skilled director there's no question about that and this is very evident here but i think it, to me it's even more damning you know that uh it's almost it's like a, a cinema made without ethical or moral uh decisions or or with the ethical and moral dimension of the storytelling elided Right. So that, you know, as as an excuse to permit, you know, the showing of gore, really. Well, what this discussion reminds me of, I, I went to see years ago, this play called Saved by Edward Bond, which was a, a 1960s play. And it's really notorious at the time and, and still is. This is a revival at the Lyric Theatre in Hammersmith. There's a really, really notorious scene in it where um, a, a baby gets stoned to death. You don't see this. Basically, there's a, there's a pram, and you know the pram's got a baby in it. And 
the father who's supposed to look after the baby starts throwing stones and then starts throwing big stones at, at the pram and, and, and it's clear what's happened. And I think that's like end of act one. And, and um, it, it was yeah, absolutely notorious at the time and, and, and still is controversial. Anyway, I saw a matinee of it and there was a, a group of, of um, like London teenagers in there. And I just overheard one of them, one girl at the interval just saying, well, you know, I'm normally like live and let live and you know, whatever you want to do is fine. But that was bang out of order. <laughs> I feel a little bit like that. I mean, I think that is. Yeah, like exactly. Story, I'm with that girl. You know? I, 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 <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, you know, I've watched. I'm sure you have watched a, you know, a lot of horror. Yes. Um, you know, I've been to Fright Fest a few times, and and, and I, you know, I've, I've seen. I've seen. Yeah, I've, I've seen films that a lot of people would would, would view as unacceptable. I. I, that this one, it you know, it is disturbing. It's disturbing partly because of what it's depicting, partly because of the ethics of making it. But I think, yeah, and and what you, you know, the reality of what you're seeing on screen. I mean, it, it, yeah, clearly, it's not a snuff movie, but you do see, and I, you know, I I refuse to believe that that cat scene was was it's fake. Pretty, it's uh, clearly I real. Think it's clearly real. I mean, yeah, um, given the, uh, and you know, the the fact that it appears they were using real body parts. It appear, you know, it appears they were using real autopsy footage, although with the agreement apparently of the police and the and the, and the, and the family. But who knows? Um, you know, it, it's and you, you just think this is a guy who could make. Well, he he was a very skillful maker, and he was he's applying those skills in this film, and that, but he's applying them um, in a very dark direction. Yes. You know, he's he's using using his skills for evil. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, yes, I mean, in a nutshell, I mean, I don't know about evil, but um, it does seem like. You know, a tragedy really, because he's he 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 is potentially such a great filmmaker, right? The first mm. two films give evidence of that, and then, you know, to use his talents, like, you know, well, even for something like Lost Souls, the Lost Souls had, you know, other things really, you know, and mm. I suppose this had other things, but there's a kind of a gleefulness in the depiction of real historical horrors, you know, and that gleefulness coupled with tying the audience's gaze on that for a particularly long duration. That, mm, that mm. I feel it feels like not only unpleasant but really immoral. And and also the it's this kind of justification of it by you know, starting off with that extremely long historical prologue with all these plans. You know, there's no need to spend five minutes showing you all those plans of what the prison was like, apart from the fact that you're doing that in order to show the reason I'm showing you this gore is because it's historically accurate. Yeah. And similarly for the incredibly lengthy coda where you see, you know, what what everyone did at, at, at the end. And clearly it's designed to have an impact and make you angry. And it, and it, does, it does make you, yeah, you know, it does make me angry, but it actually, you know, makes me kind of angry with, Moton favor rather than anyone else, you know. Um, it's it's the same logic that intersperses all of this historical documentary footage. It's just to say, mm. I'm going to show you all this horrible stuff that's really going to freak you out because it's history. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is some, something that I always get annoyed about is is films that or or any kind of entertainment which will suddenly drop in, um, you know, well known real death footage like the shot of the that you know the famous shot of the Viet Cong 
guy being being shot in the head, and they 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 just drop that kind of footage into a, into a fiction film just for shock footage. It's like that, no, you're just showing me you're, that's someone's death. Yes. You're showing me. Uh, you don't need to show that for entertainment. Yeah. You, you can show if you, if you. I'm not saying don't show it, but show it contextualized in a documentary. Don't show it for entertainment. Well, I think that's a discussion you know that needs to be had about this film because I remember the discussions that Schindler's List. Yeah, the discussions that that incited because basically the, what you're seeing there is people suffering for entertainment, right? And this is what we're seeing here. It's you know. So if the argument is that this is historical fact, then actually you're just showing people suffering their degradation and their death for entertainment. And there's something really disgusting about that, actually. Yeah, and I, 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 I think the case of Schindler's List is, is or, or most Holocaust films apart from Uwe Boll's Auschwitz is, is different because you, you, you generally, it, it is not, you, they're not reveling in, Yes. In those things, you know, and they're, they're, but they, I, I think, I think it is, you know, I think there is an importance in saying, you know, this, this happened, and the, this is what is, this is what it was like. But you don't have, you don't have to show literally everything. You don't have to, you, and you don't have to degrade actors well, in order to make that point. Schindler's List is only comparable to this, in the sense that those discussions of the ethics and morality of even filming it were had mm. about that film that is so reticent and tactful and, you know, yeah, about what it mm. does show. Whereas this one just revels in every moment of degradation. You know, it would be good to see more discussions of the ethics of not only filming it, but filming it in these particular ways. That does seem to have been the reaction to it largely in, 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 in Hong Kong at the time that it, it was, you know, the, the, there was a feeling that the point he was making was a good point, was an important point to make because it was at that point a very little known part of the war. Um, but the problem, the problem was he was making those points within the context of an exploitation film in a very exploitative way. And that's not the right way to do it. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, th I think we've probably I think we really have finished with Motown Faith. There are there are another two films, but we're not going to watch them. I mean, the, what happened after this film? Um, there are two films that are called Men Behind the Sun two and three, but the, he had nothing to do with them. I think they were just people ripping off the title. There's a fourth film that he did direct. That again just seems to be a, a kind of parade of of um, of war atrocities. As far as I can see, yeah. I don't think we've. I think we've we've seen him do that. We don't need to see him do it again. But I think. I mean, I think this has been. I've actually found this a really fascinating exercise yes. going going from those two early films. I mean, because we we yeah we've obviously journeyed through Yusef Shaheen's work and through we're on our, about halfway through Hoshia Shan and Edward Yang, who are but the idea of going through someone's career who started off with such promise and then just went off in this very odd direction. That's a very interesting thing because I mean, what we forget is that when we see the careers of, you know, the long careers of directors, you're often seeing the careers of highly successful people, yeah, the, the top of uh, uh, the heap. And so it's interesting to see someone with great talent who maybe didn't get the opportunities that they deserved or who couldn't play the game well enough and, yeah. you know, and so on. Yeah, and kind of, you know, it's a good contrast 
it makes the films of Hu Shaoshen seem even more miraculous, really. Yeah, because mm, you know mm. you can see how someone of the vagaries of the market, yeah, who could potentially have done so many beautiful things, instead ends up doing men behind the sun. <laughs> and of course, the problem is, ninety-nine percent of people who are aware of his, of his work will only have seen Men Behind the Sun and Lost Souls, and they'll be like, oh. Oh, he's made these these two early films. All right, they're just like these black and white yeah, yeah, yeah. films, you know. And and so it's kind of interesting to journey in that direction because I mean, to be the 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 interview with him on YouTube, which I'd say is is fascinating. Although I, I did I did watch it on double speed because <laughs> I was in a hurry with subtitles on. Um, but it, you know, it, it it doesn't obviously doesn't feature any clips from those early films because at that point they were lost. Um, and but he does talk about them. But he he kind of misremembers them. But he but clearly, I, and that this is the other problem with understanding anything about how this film was made. Yeah, you know, the only person who's in a position to talk about how the film was made was is him, because all the others are kind of unknown crew in 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 some rural bit of China. Um, so who who knows what was going on? But clearly, it was sort of, you know, a grueling shoot, um, presumably physically and emotionally for people that were on it. Um, it it was there are. It's it's a hundred percent apparent that. There was genuine animal, animal cruelty going on on set, which is just not on. Um, it's arguably true that rather than you, that he wasn't able to use prosthetics, so was using actual body parts. Um, it appears to be true that there was, that some of what you see in the film is footage of an. I mean, it's footage of an autopsy that was going to happen anyway. It's not that they did an autopsy for the film, but it's a real autopsy. I mean, and that's you know. Although not, as I say, not the not the internal stuff is because that's it. But then, but then that's cutting up the live pig, so that's it. This that doesn't make it anyway, better, you know. Ugh. I guess we're not recommending anyone watches this film. No, I um, mean, though, you know, we watched it, we watched it, so you don't exactly. have to. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film, and we will. And we're going to do next. We're going to do some kind of romantic comedy. Yes, <laughs> with Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you all very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.